morning, haven't we? Outstanding. Uh, it is good to be here this morning, and I hope that uh, as our Christmas celebration gets closer, that um, everything that God is doing in your heart, your mind, your spirit, physically, uh, that that uh, that it culminates and that it takes seed and we realize that we do indeed have a lot to be thankful for. We have much to be thankful and grateful for. We're blessed. We're blessed people. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, would you please uh, stand for our reading of Scripture and, and prayer this morning? Uh, Chuck and Julie Shaddix are going to be leading us in our Scripture reading and our prayer this morning. reading from Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discard, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you will, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we strive to inherit your kingdom, and, and we pray that we, we want to live and the fruit of your spirit. Lord, we thank you, though, that, that you love us in spite of our human failings. Lord, and I just pray that you'll help us to live lives of, of tolerance and kindness, self-control and humility. Lord, that we may point others to you. Lord, I just pray that, um, that you can help us to live lives that point others to you and to, and to serve rather than to be served. Lord, thank you for this time of year, and thank you for what it means to all of us. And just help us to, to be able to help others realize the true meaning of this season, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for its members and its leaders and for what it means to this community. And these things I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I had a joke to tell this morning, but uh, I tried it out on a few people, and they all overwhelmingly said, no, don't tell that joke. So uh, I'm going to spare you of that. And uh, Rick Dubeck actually sent me the joke, and uh, so I could actually blame it on you. Yeah, so I'm not going to spare you of it. Uh, so uh, how did the bale of hay get out of jail? You don't know? Yeah, it was bailed out. Well, you laughed. You laughed. Well, I was looking at Dubeck, and I thought, you know, I probably ought to tell that, that joke. So, uh, but <laughs> anyway, it is good to be here this morning, and I hope you have had a good week. This will be our second message uh, for Advent, and... We'll have our con cantata next Sunday, and then normally there's four messages with Advent. The first two messages, historically for the last 1,500 years, the first two messages of Advent, which is the parousia, which is the appearance of Christ, uh, the first two deal with the second coming of Christ, and then the final two uh, deal with the birth of Christ, uh, his appearance here and his birth. So we'll have cantata next week, and then uh, the Sunday before uh, Christmas will celebrate uh, the appearance of Christ, the advent of Christ and his birth. This morning, we go back to, and on, on your sermon, ha sermon handout, you'll see uh, these verses here. And I'd ask if you want to, uh, I, I'm going to get through these. They all have a common, uh, there's a, a commonness to them. 
and that has to do with the advent, the parousia, the appearance of Christ. Uh, last week we uh, dealt with uh, uh, the uh, Jesus comes a second time, uh, the advent that is surrounding that. But then this week, then uh, there are two things, two things, uh, really three. I'm gonna one will be really very short, uh, but each of these verses dealing with the second coming of Christ, the commonality of them is judgment, is judgment. So I, I'm going to be reading these verses, and you can follow along if, if you'd like to. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 25. I've really shortened these down uh, just for, for uh, time's sake. Uh, but Matthew uh, 25, verse uh, 31 and 32 reads, But when the Son of Man advents, when he appears, when he when the Son of Man uh, uh, comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them uh, from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep from the goat. And then verse, and verse 32, and to give relief to you who are uh, afflicted to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven uh, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, these will pay the penalty. These will pay the penalty of eternal uh, destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power uh, when he comes to be glorified in his saints uh, on that day, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you uh, was believed. And that is actually Second Thessalonians uh, chapter one, verse seven through ten. And then uh, let's see, let's look at Jude, uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. Jude, uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. And about these also Enoch, uh, in the seventh generation from Adam, uh, prophesied, uh, prophes man, Rogers, <laughs> prophesied, uh, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is the, in his second coming. This is, uh, the prophecy goes all the way back to that seventh generation uh, from Adam and uh, dealing with his second coming. That's, that's a pretty, I don't know when you read that, how that speaks to you, but that verse, the end, it says, to execute judgment upon all. Upon all. This is the Advent message. Um, and then finally in Revelation, chapter 22, verse 12, uh, at the end of this revelation, it says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. So there's judgment. There's the glorification of those approved in judgment, and there's the destruction of the world. And all of these verses, if you read every one of these verses, they have to do with the second coming of Christ. And they all have something in common, and that is that there's going to be judgment. There's going to be a judgment. And so when we talk about the Advent, and we associate it with the Christmas season and the holidays and the celebration of the birth of the Christ and the Advent season, again, I say it repetitively, the appearance of Christ, that uh, the, common, the, common, the commonality with his coming as a birth and then his second appearance is judgment. It's judgment. I would say if you ask me um, as a minister, as a preacher, um, to share with you what I think, what my experience has been where the body of Christ has been the most confused, uh, to me, it would be one thing. It just would be one thing, more than any other thing. There's, you know, there's a lot of doctrine 
And, you know, there's a lot of things that doctrinally people have debated, at least in a Christian setting, for 2,000 years. And I could go with the list of that. But if you were to ask me in my experience in ministry as a preacher, I would say the thing that we're most confused about, this is just my personal observation, is sin. It's, it really is. It's sin. Now, I think that uh, um, because the judgment is going to be based upon sin. And, and I think if anybody should know more about sin than anybody in the world, it ought to be the church. It ought to be the body of Christ. It should be. I think we, we, should, we should be the leaders of the discussion, the leaders acknowledge the, I mean, we should be. Because if we understand anything at all about the need for Jesus, the need for him, and then him, his, his will, his mission, you know, he would say, I came to seek and save those who were lost. And I think we, I think we speak pretty highly and, and pretty affirmative, you know, in affirmative ways about forgiveness. Well, forgiveness of what? Sin. Or sin. And yet, so knowing that, um, what I have read, what I have experienced, what I have seen, what I have heard in my discussions, uh, and, and just observing and hearing, uh, the body of Christ, um, to me, uh, it seems to be very confused about sin and then sin and judgment because judgment comes because of sin. So the two are, there's, without sin, there's no judgment, right? I mean, you just wouldn't have it. Without sin, you wouldn't need a Savior. A Savior from what? From sin. So that we can pass out of judgment. There is judgment. And so uh, when you think about the advent, Christ appearing again, and I just give you a few verses. I, I would challenge you to read all these verses. Uh, the reality is, when he reappears, and he's already, he's been, we're celebrating his birth. Inside of three weeks, we're going to celebrate his birth. There's only one event left in all of Scripture. One. There's only one. And that's the second coming of Christ. That's it. The second advent of Christ. That's all that's left. And the scripture says, and even Jesus says, I don't know when it'll be. When he was asked about the times and the epochs, he said, I don't know, only my Father in heaven. But then in the Gospels and in the New Testament epistles, we have been encouraged, we have been taught to be aware of it and to be ready for it. We preach a month of sermons on that. It's coming. Jesus says, I don't know. Uh, the Bible gives us some hints, okay? And, but we're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be aware of it, ready, and live our life according to that because when he reappears again, there's going to be a judgment. And you and I, the people that have been, we have been forgiven. We, sh we should know. We should definitively know. We should very clearly know. So what's the problem? Well, the Bible identifies the problem. Why, why shouldn't, well, why would God's people not really very easily, very easily, not even hard, not even difficult, you know, be able to have a true, uh, an intelligent, a passionate discussion about sin and judgment? We should. We should. Um, the Shaddock's just read a passage out of Galatians, Paul writing to the New Testament church. He gives a list. He says, these people aren't going to heaven. These people are going to be judged on the basis of sin. And he names the sin. And in the epistles, it's called the vice list. So a message to saved people in the New Testament church, the list is very clear. It's very clear. Adulterers? Oh, you ain't going to heaven. You're not going to. You're going to be judged for your adultery. Fornicators, you're going to be judged for your, you're not going to heaven. When the day of judgment comes, you're going to be judged. It's, you can read all the list. Murderers, thieves, and we probably all check off on that list, yep. Sexually immoral, yep. Pride, 
envy, lying, gossip. I'm sending all the list. Well, if you read that list, and it's, now remember what Paul said about those outside the church. He wrote the Corinthians. And he talks about sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he talks about that. He gives the list again. And he said, yeah, these people, the people that are engaging in these kind of stuff. And in fact, that 1 Corinthians 6, it was because Christians were taking one each other to court. They were suing each other in court. And, and he has to write about it. He said, you should know more than anybody. Look at what you're doing when you take each other to court. Don't you know how to judge rightly between right and wrong? You can't settle this. And then you need to understand something. This is what it is. Here's what you're going to be judged for. These people, you're not going to heaven. But then he says, now, those people outside the church, those people outside, outside the church. He's very clear. He said, for those that are out, I'm not talking about people that aren't Christians. I'm not talking about people that, that are not Christians. He says, what do I have to do with those? What do I have to do with those? So the first thing we ought to know about judgment and sin is that if you're a Christian, that you and I, what's happening outside the body of Christ concerning sin, we don't, that's not, it's really, you can be aware of it, you can see it, you should be prepared to give a testimony of what you believe. We're going to get to that. But even Paul says, you know, and I think the church has wasted far too much time, according to Scripture, being worried about people that aren't Christians and their sin. According to Scripture, what do I have to do with that? Well, we've sure spent a lot of time talking about other people's sin and people outside the body of Christ when, you know, all these, all these passages, Chuck just read a verse out of Galatians that he talks, well, that list is he's talking to Christians, the saved, the saved. Saved people, Christian people, you need to understand something. This behavior, these sin, this list of sin, it's going to be a judgment. But now, wait a second, and maybe this is why we're confused. Because, uh, because uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes, in him, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. But at God being rich in his mercy, God made a decision, even though we were vile and lost in our sin, to save us. So how, no, so there's, it's almost, now wait a second. Uh, I was, I'm a sinner that needed saving. God provided the Savior. I believe that. I have now received that. And so I'm, I'm not going to be judged. But when, now wait a second. Then Paul says, yes, we're going to be judged. And the scripture says, we're going to be judged. Well, it's kind of confusing. Maybe that's why we're confused. Now, here's where we don't have to be. Here's where, here's something. And I, and I really want you to hear this, and I want our young people to hear this, because in, in, in a time of messaging, there's all kinds of messages. Everybody's got a message. But men have always had a message. I got some kind of information message about something, some information that they're sharing with their friends or their family or whoever, politicians and, you know, philosophers and kings and, you know, coaches, <laughs> teachers. Everybody's got a message, right? And so here's what you hear. Now, we've been hearing this for 2,000 years now. Uh, and, and you need to know it, it's... It's a, it's a lie. It's just a lie. And it's one, of the, it's one of the easiest lies to sell. Oh, this lie is so easy. This, this one, and it's, and it's easy to not only, it's easy to receive it. Because if, if, if yeah, well, that makes sense to me. Well, you got to ask yourself, why does it make sense to you? Because then it relieves your responsibility. What I mean. Here's what I mean. So, it seems, though, maybe the message about sin and judgment is kind of confusing. What do you mean? I'm saved by grace through faith, that not of myself, lest no man boast. 
that God did it. God being rich in mercy, he just made a decision to save me. So now he saved me from my sin, and he provided a Savior to save me. But now he's saying that, but yet people to Christians that engage in this kind of behavior, they're not going, they're going to be judged, and they won't be saved. So what is that? That's kind of confusing, maybe. And so what people have determined, now, church, I want you to hear this. It's just a lie from Satan. It's one of his boldest, most subtle lies. Going back to the garden, he would say to Eve, he would say, did God really say, did he really say you shouldn't eat from this tree? Did, did he really say that? She, oh, yeah, he said it. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. We, yeah, but you know what? You can't trust God. It, it, yeah, he said that, but it's just because he didn't want you to be like him. So she saw that the fruit was good. She desired, she took it ate. So you go read James chapter 1, that's how sin happens. But there is that spiritual warfare, that Satan that Peter writes about, and prowling around looking for someone to devour. Oh, it's happening. Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle. It's happening. It's happening. But here's the bigger lie. The bigger lie is, it's a pathetic lie. It's a subtle lie. And by the way, if you go to the Gospel of John chapter 8, the Bible says Satan's native tongue is lying. That his native tongue is lying in deception. Here's the lie. You know, that's just a matter of interpretation. That's just your interpretation. Well, we really can't know. Well, that's kind of confusing. You know, that's just the way you interpret it. It's a lie. And you know what the premise of that lie is? Here's the premise. You can say, well, that's true, Aubrey. You know, you just, if, why, if it just can be interpreted correctly and truthfully in the same, then all men would come to the same conclusion, right? Somebody, but here it is. Here's why it's a lie. Because if you believe that, then you have to believe that you cannot, that, you, that this is a, it's gray. It's not black and white. That it cannot be understood as it was written. That, that if it's just open to interpretation, then you're the purveyor of truth and God isn't. You get to establish what's truth and God doesn't. And it's a, it's a lie. But well, let me tell you where the lie is rooted in. Well, if I accept that, then I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to put the work in. I don't really have to try. Others have tried and they couldn't interpret it. But it really says it's an indictment against God's word, which is Satan has done from the beginning, that you really cannot know truth. But if you do, then truth is murky. And it's really based up to you and the way you interpret it. It's a lie. It's a convenient lie. It's a subtle lie. Because it can be known. But what do you have to do to know something? What do you have to do? And men do it all the time. The reason that we, we're able to put a, this huge metal fuel-powered shuttle or spaceship on the moon is because men in their tenacity and their desire for knowledge would just search and search and search and search. And they would begin to know the truth about atoms and molecules, things that cannot be seen with the human eye. But they had this tenacious appetite that God gave them to learn. But when it comes to the Bible, the most important thing in the world to learn, we just say, well, you know, you just, it's open to interpret. Well, you know, you just, it's just interpretation. Well, you really can't know. That, that's not true. But what the scripture does say is that if God has saved you, he has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This book was inspired by the Holy Spirit. What the word does say is that you are responsible for examining yourself in light of scripture. And I'm sorry, you can't and won't be able to accomplish the knowledge of the truth concerning anything in scripture, much less judgment and sin. If you just come into church, uh, 25, 30 times a year, or even 40, or even 52 times a year listening to a, a sermon from a preacher. It's not enough. And it shouldn't be enough. We invest ourselves into, and I don't know what you invest yourself into, but we invest ourselves into hours of, 
of, of entertaining ourselves, receiving a message, whether it's TV or social media or whatever it is. Compare that to the effort, the energy, and the desire to know the only thing that is legitimately true, consistently always true, never not not true, and that is the Word of God. So don't lie. Don't live upon the lie that, you know, well, it's just open to interpretation. Because you know what? The Bible even addresses that. The Bible addresses that. Paul wrote to the Galatians. This has to do with judgment and sin. He wrote to the Galatians. He said, look, and boy, you don't think they had something that was confusing? They really did. If you go to Genesis chapter 17, uh, God gave a covenant to Abraham, and it was the covenant of circumcision. And you just read that 17th chapter. He said, Abraham, from now on, my people, that every male among you has to be circumcised. And he said, it's an everlasting covenant. And, and, and he expands it to, I mean, it's not, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read that and interpret it. You would come up, I think, with the same conclusion. And so now Christ has come, he's ascended into heaven, he established his church, and you're in there, and uh, according to Mark 16, and the first century church, the first 100 years of Christianity, the only Bible that they had the first 60 years was the Old Testament. And so those Jews who were converted and now they're, you know, they're leading the church, they would just naturally say, okay, the Messiah came just like the prophets said. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. He, he, he preached, he taught, he, he performed miracles, and he, he was. He was crucified, dead, and buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. There was over 500 eyewitnesses to it. Everything the scripture said, they would all agree upon that. But then, then something happened according to the Bible. They said, oh, but by the way, you have to be circumcised. Faith alone is not enough. And, and, and we're doing that based upon the Scripture. So if you go to the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, they had to have a council. And godly individuals full of the Holy Spirit came to a conclusion. They were able to work it out. They were able to understand it in, in its entirety. They put the work in. They prayed to God. They met together. They discussed it nobly. And they said, okay. Now, we couldn't keep one letter of the law. We certainly couldn't keep that. But here's what you need to know. So that's what they did. So Paul wrote to Galatians. This is what he wrote. Now, church, I want you to hear me. Because we're going to really clear up the whole judgment in sin deal. The scripture is going to clear it up for you. He wrote to Galatians. Now, if you have a doctrinal issue that you're working through, and maybe you don't understand the doctrine. Maybe you don't understand it. He said, here's, here's how you need to handle it, church. If it's sin to you, don't bind it on your brother. Don't do it. Don't do it. And that had to do with eating of meat and all these things, drinking and meeting, eating certain meat, and, you know, and then it even had to deal with the circumcision issue. And, 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 and Paul said, so if it's a matter of doctrine, and you're working on that, and you don't maybe fully understand that. God is, you're working, but you're diligently working on that. And if it's sin to you, don't bind it on your brother. So now we're back to that issue, right? Well, then any who gets to, you just get to determine what sin is, right? No, 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 no. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. That's a doctrinal issue. That churches come together. We've been given a plan to, to identify that. We've been given direction spiritually how to handle those differences. I'm just putting this... But here's one thing you can, I, I would just, I don't believe this can be misinterpreted. I do not believe it. I don't. I've seen it misinterpreted because of the flesh desires and the weakness of men. Because we don't like judgment and we don't like accountability. If you could look through scripture and where the Bible says this is sin, this is sin. The Bible says this is sin. This isn't a doctrinal issue. Maybe, you know, trying to figure some things out. You know, how do you govern the church? You know, what's the approach? I mean, you could work through some of these. But when the Bible says it's a sin, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand it. Murder. It's a sin. 
even men. Paul writes to the Romans that even ungodly men, when they support what the Bible teaches about sin, they prove the Bible right. Murder, it's a sin. It's a sin. Adultery is a sin. Rape is a sin. Stealing from someone is a sin. It's a sin. I don't, now I know why men might misinterpret those, but there's no gray area there. And in fact, I would, I've never been able to find a gray area in the Bible concerning sin. I can't find, I don't, I haven't found one. Sexual behavior, it's a sin. You may not like it, but it's a sin. Homosexuality is a sin. It's a sin. Fornication is a sin. Adultery is a sin. It's a sin. Gossip is a sin. It, it, it's a sin. Envy, pride is a sin. Slander against your brother is a slin- It's a sin. And there's no interp... You, you, how could you, you, you... Well, you know how. I don't have to... You know how. Go with me to the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Now, I do want you. Let's go to the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Paul would write in Romans chapter 6, he said to the church, he said, if grace increases, God's grace, you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. And if grace, he would go into Romans 6, if grace increases, because we couldn't save ourselves, should we continue to sin? He said, may it never be. Then he's going to expound on that in a minute because here's, here's I'm going to tell you how you pass. The scripture is going to tell you how you and I pass out of judgment. Although we engage in these sins. Okay? But in Hebrews chapter 10, 10 beginning in verse 19, since therefore, brethren, we have confidence. The writer of Hebrews has already said, let me give you church, you need to know something, church. Jesus is superior to Moses. Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is superior to any high priest. He's the only high priest. It's about the superiority of Christ and what he's done for us. And then he says, you ought to read the third, sixth, and tenth chapter along with these passages. But he says, since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. I do. I do. Why? By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and fuel assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed, washed with pure water. I like those verses. That's, man, look at what Christ did with his blood, you know, in his flesh, as a priest over the house of God. He authored and perfected our faith. We have full assurance of the faith that he's authored. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Even our bodies have been washed. Jesus is that pure water. He would say that he is. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without confusion. There shouldn't be any confusion here, church. Shouldn't be any. Without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Oh, and let us consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, that's just a a, a PSA, public service announcement from your preacher. Uh, Church attendance is commanded. That's all I'm going to say. In fact, that is a commandment. And then it comes with the, a because or a warning to the church. That's, I like those verses. How do you like this one? For if we, church, Christians, go on sinning willfully, for if we, the church, Christians, professing Christians, go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment And the fury of a fire which will consume the adversary. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much 
how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, and again, the Lord will judge his people, and here it is. It is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Now, church, I'm going to tell you the plague and the cancer that has affected the church for 2,000 years is that there are professing Christians who have mishandled, abused, and literally trampled on their feet the message of grace, and I'll prove it. Scripture will prove it. One of the ways is that as Scripture has identified sin, and it's non-negotiable. You don't have to be a Bible scholarship to know what sin is. Sin is very clear. You do, it's not open to interpretation. You might have an interpretation issue with something doctrinally that you're working through. Sin does not have that problem. To say it does identifies that you and I, if we do, in our spirit, we're the problem. We're advocating the lies of Satan. Sin is very easy to understand. Most of you in your household, your children know what's right and wrong. And if they don't understand, then you clearly, you do. You, you know, this is the rules in this household. And they really don't have to be interpreted, but our flesh fights against it. And so he's saying to the church, and church, you need to hear this. We are going to be judged. So I'm back to that confusing point again. But I, I thought I, I passed out of judgment into salvation. Okay, well, here it is. Very simple. I know that in the advent, Christ is going to reappear, and we don't know when. The scripture says he's going to come like a thief in the night. The chauffeur, the trumpet will sound. Christ will appear, and he will judge. So let me say this. First thing you need to know about judgment is that it's going to happen, and he will be the judge. The second thing is, if you go to Matthew 7 in church, we need to hear this. Jesus says, do not Judge. In the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge. Now listen to this, church. Because the way you judge is going to be how you are judged. That's why gossip is such a heinous sin. Every time we gossip and slander about someone, even if we can justify, even well, I can, it's not, you know, there's another lie from Satan. Well, it's really not gossip because it's the truth. Oh, now, true gossip still gossip. Because what you've determined is that I have, I have the right to say something true about somebody. And if that's the case, how are you going to stand before Jesus Christ on the day of judgment? Because the way you judge, you're going to be judged in church. If, the Advent, if we're going to talk about the Advent, you, we better understand that. Because every one of these verses has to do with his appearance. And it has to do with judgment, even his birth. By the way you judge, you're going to be judged. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. That, do you need a Bible scholar to interpret that for you? Is that an area of interpretation that you couldn't understand? Then he says, now here it is. Here's, now here's how you can know. I don't want anybody walking out of here with any confusion. Paul goes in the seventh chapter of Romans, he said, why do I do the very thing that I want? I, I don't want to do the good that I would do. I, I find that I cannot do. I find that the principle of evil dwells within me, the one who wishes to do good. We're probably all there. I know that Romans 3, it says that all men fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fall. And Paul says, I'm still a sinner. I'm, st I'm a Christian who has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but I still sin. I still struggle with sin. I, and in fact, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? Here's number one. Here's how you know that you pass from judgment to salvation. Number one. Number one. The, the standard is don't judge. But now, here's how you know. 
This is where the, there won't be any more confusion. He says, Romans 8 and 1, Therefore, now those who are in Christ Jesus will not be condemned. Now, church, here's maybe where the confusion begins. Because what he's saying is, even though I do the very thing I don't want to do, I, there's a principle of evil in me, I'm a wretched man, he understood something. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Now, church, please hear me. If you're like me, you struggle with sin. You gossip when you shouldn't. You slander when you shouldn't. You, 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 you fell short. Maybe your problem is lust or pornography or, or, or lying. I don't know. But if, you, if you're in Christ and you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, we, we're told that we can grieve that Holy Spirit. And, and so, but if you're in Christ, you understand something. Therefore, now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, even though I'm an evil man and, 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 and I'm dying in my flesh and I wish to do good. But then, church, you better understand this because this is the, now you can understand Hebrews 3, 6, and 10. What does it mean to be in Christ Really, what does it mean? Does it mean that you've said a, 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 a prayers, a, you know, a sinner's prayer, and then you come to church 8, 9, 10, 12, I don't know, 40 times a year, and you've identified with the church, and you can sing Amazing Grace, and you like Christmas, and Easter's always really pretty good too. Does that what happens? In Christ. You know when somebody is in whatever they're in. Matt Brunson is a fire man. He's a first responder. He is in the Bryan College Station fire. You are. You're in it. And we know you're in it. It's obvious you're in it. You were in the paper. You got an award. They read That guy's in the fire department. Now, I know that. But you couldn't, you couldn't say you were in the fire, and you wouldn't stay in the fire department unless you adhered to, knew, passionate, responsible, accountable to all the things that identify you as in the fire department. Am I right? Could you just come and go to work whenever you wanted and be in the fire department? You couldn't do it. Could you just lie to all your, you, 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 could you just lie to them all the time and be in that? Could you engage, could you steal from your fellow, you know, employees and be in it? You wouldn't be very long, would you? I mean, I could just go on and on and on if your sexual behavior was immoral. These are just the laws of men. But we got churches full of people, and that's why Jesus said, not everybody says to me, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people talking like, I'm in Christ because of what I say, but I'm not in Christ because of the way I behave. Now, you don't say you can't work your way into heaven, but you can be known as in Christ, and it has to do with sin. It has to do with sin. Paul says this. Church, here's the cancer. And kids, here's the cancer. You need to hear this more than anybody. Paul knew that he was a sinner. But he knew that he wouldn't be condemned because he was in Christ. And one of the things that Paul lived by, he said, he said, I am the chief of all sinners and I have to die to sin daily. He didn't treat the blood of Christ lightly. He didn't treat he didn't willfully sin. You just read 1 John. Here's how you're in Christ. Here's how you're in Christ. He saved me. He gave me his Holy Spirit. And now, because of that, everything that God says is sin, I know is sin. And I don't get to say it's not sin. And I don't get to treat it lightly. We have churches today that say they're Christians. And I'm not picking on anybody, but you need to hear this. And they have ordained homosexual and lesbian uh, leadership and preachers. They're not in Christ. And they're not in Christ because they're not living their life according to what being in Christ says about what is sin and what is not sin. And they have confused it. And they say, well, it's really not sin. And you can't know that. And this is the way we interpret it. And how do you do this? And it's in articles all over the world because Satan is just like he did with Eve. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Nah, 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 You don't have to trust. You can't trust God. Interpret it for yourself. Do what you desire. Because you're saved by grace. 
That's an abomination. You're not in Christ. You don't get to set the rules. I don't get to set the rules. The rules have been set. And we have Christians and churches and preachers who are advocating just some kind of mealy-mouthed Christianity that really has nothing to do with, you know, I better know this because if I'm in him, because of what he's done for me, boy, I've got one goal in life, and that is to honor him. Just to honor him, not honor me. I will pass, and you will pass, from judgment to salvation if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it's evident. Someone that is in Christ does two things. I'm going to ask you if you do this daily, and then we'll finish here. Someone's in Christ does two things daily. They're fully aware that they're the chief of all sinners. And they're fully aware they have to die to sin daily. That's what you do. Now, how are you going to walk around in the presence of God's people? The Lord hates division. How are you going to walk around in the presence of the Lord's people running somebody down, running your preacher down, running your leadership down because of some sin that you've determined is very obvious in their life. Well, you've, what you've said, I'm, not, I, I'm a sinner, but I ain't the chief of all sinners. Let me tell you something, sister, brother, I am the chief of all sinners, and I know it because Scripture has determined the thoughts that I have, the things that come out. I, Jesus says out of the heart come all kinds of evil things. And I hate it. But I don't say it's not sin. And I don't say it's okay. And I don't say that you can, well, that's open to interpret. I don't justify it because somehow I think I'm in a position to justify it. This is the advent. With the advent comes judgment. I read you some verses. Church, church, if you're in Christ, live like it. Don't judge people because the way you judge, you're going to be judged. If you think you're in a position to judge, God bless you. When you sin, repent. Confess it. Stay in a a spirit of repentance. Worry about your sin and not somebody else's sin. I got to worry about my, I got enough sin on my own. I have to die to that sin daily. That's somebody who's in Christ. That's somebody who will pass because The Lord knows our hearts. That person passes from judgment into salvation. Satan would prefer that you think something else. He really would. He really would. Here's the final passage. This is the destroy. I'm not even going to preach it. I'm just going to read the verse and we'll have a prayer. The last thing that happens in the Advent, the second coming of Jesus, is the destruction of the world. One passage of Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It's going to happen. The, parasy- the advent. Judgment. The glorification of those approved in the judgment and the destruction of the world. We'll end here. I'll read the passage and we'll pray. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. The earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, the parousia, the advent. Looking. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the advent of the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed, the heavens, by burning. And the elements will melt with intense heat. Here it is, church. 
This is good news. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Those that are in Christ, those that are in Christ, they have been made righteous by God because they died of sin daily. They understand they're the chief of all sinners and are wholly dependent upon his grace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, none of us knows the day, the hour, the minute, the very second of your advent, your final advent. We don't know. But Father, I would pray for those of us who you have saved and have given the gift of your Holy Spirit that we would not take sin lightly. We would not willfully continue to sin. I would pray that we would fully understand that it is your word that determines what sin is. I would pray that we deal with our sin. We're always in a state where we're just repenting, praying, confessing our sin. I would pray that we then would be prepared to talk to the world about sin in ways that show your love and your compassion, but never, never, never compromising it, Father, never. We look forward to our cantata this next Sunday. We look forward to a sermon, a message on the birth of a Savior. And Father, I hope and pray that we are eagerly, eagerly, eagerly waiting for your second coming, your final advent. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.